our new series, FaceTime. Just before we get into the Word of God, if you don't mind, why don't you give God your best praise in this place? Give God your best praise in this place. For those of you who are believing something from God, you have the assurance that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever ask or even think. So never give up on God because God won't give up on you. Well, good morning. How you doing this morning? Oh, it's so good to be here in this sacred space that God has blessed us once more to sing his praise and direct our attention to his holy word. And on this morning, our message for the morning will begin in that first book of the Bible. So if you don't mind, grab your copy of God's word and join me in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, as we continue in this series called FaceTime, we want to take some time to look at the first relationship, the first marriage uh, in the sacred text. So if you join me in the second chapter, we'll begin our reading at the 18th verse. Genesis, the second chapter, beginning at verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is last, at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The help of the Holy Spirit, I'd like to speak to you from this passage with this thought in our minds. Paired for a purpose. Would you bow your heads with me, Father? We thank you once more in this sacred space in which you've allowed us to gather and worship. And now we turn our attention to you asking that you'd make our minds and our hearts receptive soil for the seed of your word, that your word might take deep root in our lives, that our lives might be lived to your glory, that we can believe all things are possible in you. Father, I'm asking that you'd restore marriages, that you'd, you'd mend that which has been broken, that you, Father, would make a strong congregation of your people, that we might glorify you with our lives. So bless us in this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask, um, as you look into the text, uh, that you all remember my, my daughter in your prayer. She became really ill, and my wife is at home um, caring for her. So I would just appreciate prayers um, as it relates to my family. Um, we're, we're in the text, and we're, gonna about to, we're about to talk about families. We're about to talk about families because it is God who created the first family, particularly the first relationship. So i got to tell you, the most important relationship, I believe, is between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. I thought you'd agree with me because that's the only way you got here. Yeah. 
And so we look to God's word because at the beginning of creation, uh, we're looking now at zooming in at the sixth day of creation. Because in the first chapter, God created all things in six days. When the sixth day, he created man in his own image. He created them male and female. You'll find that in that 26th verse of the first chapter. Now we're zooming in in the second chapter to look closely at the sixth day. For it's on the sixth day that God took the man and he placed him in a garden full of provisions. There Adam was. Before there was any sound devices that would be tranquil to put you to sleep or to help you relax, Adam was in a garden where he could hear the rivers flow. He was in the garden where he could hear all of the birds chirping and the animals and uh, be able to really enjoy the ambiance of a garden fit for perfection. He was there in the garden. Can you hang with him just for a moment? Feeling the, the cool breeze across his face. Can you hang with him just for a moment? He's in the garden. God had given him an assignment. And his assignment was that he was to name all of the animals. And every animal that God brought to him, he named, and we know it by those names. And so he's doing what God called him to do in the place that God called him to do it. And there he is. He's naming them. Nina, the Bible says that something was missing. I really want you to see his context because Adam is where God placed him. Adam is doing what God called him to do. But for those of you listening online and those of you in here, there was still something missing. For the Bible tells us that there was not found a helper fit for him. It's interesting that God says in the 18th verse, it's not good for man to be alone. And all the husbands in here say what? I'm trying to help you out, fellas. I'm just trying to help you out for a moment. He says, it's not good for man to be alone, but how is it that he's alone when he's in the garden and he's with God? He has a relationship with God. He's with God each and every moment and every day. He's in communion with God. He is uh, sensing the presence of God. He is speaking to God. Um, and yet God says there's something missing in his life. He's alone. Mary Lou is interesting because he even has pets. I'm in the text. Because Kimberly, he has animals, exotic animals and livestock that are all around him. They're coming to him so he can pet them and name them. And yet he's, he's still alone. And God says that it's not good. It's not optimal. It's not the best for the man. Because the man needs a helper. No, that was the part where all the wives were supposed to say, yeah, the man needs, needs a helper. And so God says that he's going to create him a helper that is fit for him. Now, now before all of my singles decide to shut me off, and all of my single agains, Decide to tell me we are never going down that route anymore. I want you to lean in with the married couples just for a moment. Just lean in because there's a message that God wants to deposit into your soul and into your heart that you might learn something about the character of God. Because here, Adam was not aware that he even had a need. 
Adam was doing what God called him to do in the place God called him to do it, and God discerned that he had a need. Here it is. And God met the need before Adam even knew he had the need. And when he saw what God met the need with, all he could say is, whoa, man. I got that from an old preacher. Which teaches us, all of us, that that we're made for relationship with God and we're paired by God for a purpose. It tells us, singles and and adults and, and, and married, it tells us that what we see is God's willingness and his ability to give you what you need when you need it. And for Adam's misery, he gave him a companion named Eve. I want you to see this here. Adam now has his companion, and she's suitable. She fits. She complements who he is. But notice how God did this thing, because God didn't let Adam be awake when he chose to make Eve from the rib of a man. Get this now. God created the man from the dust, but he created the woman from a rib. Now, you can say what you want. That's, a that, that's something different right there. Uh, the source is different. In fact, if you don't believe me, look at any married couple in here, and you, they'll quickly tell you that there's something different about us. We are not the same, okay? A man and a woman are not the same beings. I thought I'd get some, some, more, some more help in there right, right around that point. Some say that, that men are like spaghetti, men are like girls are like spaghetti, and men are like waffles. They all compartmentalize. Somebody from Venus and the other part from Mars is just one way of saying that, you know what? Uh, there's something different about us. Go ahead and nudge your husband just for a moment. I've been telling you this all these years. I've been trying to tell you. Uh, but God created them different. He created two individuals with, with different characteristics, with, with, with different. Uh, anatomy. He created them differently, and yet in his power, he brings them together to become one. We'll get there in a moment. So he puts them together, but Adam wasn't awake. Anthony, I believe Adam wasn't awake because if Adam was awake, he'd probably take credit for what God was doing. He'd tell Eve, girl, I made you. So God had to put him to sleep because had God not put him to sleep, it's possible that Adam would have wanted to create her just like him. But God knew that he didn't need another Adam. He knew that Adam needed an Eve. You're not with me in this place here. Uh, And God designs, God creates marriage. He creates it. It is God's design. And since God designed it, he could define it. And nobody can redefine what God has already defined. And he created marriage. And he created it for the purpose One of procreation and enjoyment. Somebody say enjoyment. Oh, yeah, because God intended for you to enjoy your marriage. Proverbs tells us this way. Proverbs 5 and 18 says, let your fountains be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. God wants you to enjoy. If you are married, raise your hands if you're married in here. If you're married, God wants you to enjoy your marriage. In fact, I want to help somebody right now. If you've been married for less than a year, hold your hands up. If you've been married for less than a year. I got, I got you right there, my brother, here. Um, you know what? L- listen, I want you to take a note. Take a note. I, I have um, three recommenda- recommend- recommended readings for you, okay? Take a note. You're not the only one in here, okay? Because all of you who've been married for a long time, you need to take note, too. 
I want, I want to recommend uh, some, some books for you. I, I want to recommend that you read uh, the book Saving Your Marriage Before you be, It Begins. I, I want to recommend that you read that book. That's a really good book. Um, and for, for the brother uh, who just got married, uh, I have a book by Paul Tripp that's called um, What Did You Expect? And the last book uh, that I would recommend for you is uh, Love and Respect by, by Egerich. Um, but, but my brother, I want to give you this book. Anthony, w- w- would you hand this book to that young man right there? Uh, give him a hand for being the youngest among those who are married with us because we believe in marriages here at Champion Forest. And we want to celebrate marriages. We want to pray for marriages uh, because God has ordained marriages to be. God is the creator of marriage. But then as you look at Adam's response, you not only see the creation of marriage, you, you also see the duration of marriage. Uh, look, look again with me in the Bible for Adam sees. Well, well, no, I'm going too fast. Because right there in verse 22, I got to point something out to you. In verse 22, the Bible says, And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Somebody say brought her. Some of you need to underline that in your Bibles because uh, some of the people that you hang out with, God didn't bring to you. I'm not looking at anybody right now. You're just wondering why it's not working. You need to go back in the Word and, and see and wait and trust God to bring what God has for you so that what's for you will be for... I got one person in here. I got a grunt. What uh, will be for you. Uh, so he brought her to the man. Then the man said... This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He, he recognized that there's an intimate connection between the two, a deep connection, bone of my bone and, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That's what Adam declares. And now look at what God says in God's word. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Right there. That's a text. That's your duration right there. Hold fast. He didn't say temporarily. He didn't say um, just until things get rough. No, he said you are, are to hold fast. They, Old Testament language would say like, that you are to cleave to, that you are to, you are to grip on. In fact, this is the same thing that Jesus reiterated in Matthew chapter 19. But Matthew chapter 19, when others were asking him about uh, divorce and, and what it would take to be divorced, Jesus answered this way. In Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6, he says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore, here's the command, are you ready for it? What therefore God has Some of you know, you've been singing in a long time. What God has joined together, let no one, no male, no female, no husband, no wife, no judge, let no one put asunder. That's the intended duration. I got to tell you, I I know this is ideal. I know there's some situations uh, where it didn't end that way. But if you are currently in a marriage, if you are currently connected to someone and you've took vows before the Lord, God's intention for your marriage is that the marriage be between one man and one woman for one lifetime. I hope you get this thing here um, because there's a duration. Um, But, but, come, come, come here. Come here, let me tell you something. Lean in, lean in, lean in. Let me tell you something. There, there's also a frustration. 
Because, Brother Al, how long have you been married? 33 years. 33 years. Thir- give him a hand. 33 years. Now, Brother Al, we didn't, we didn't, we, we, we didn't practice this. I'm just asking you. Has the has uh, 33 years been just all smooth sailing? No, there's been some rough waters. Yeah. And you're still married. Yeah. How you stay married that long? Oh, man, he says it's for life. It's for, thank you, Brother Al. Give that a hand. Give that a hand. Listen, young, young married, um, it's good to connect with some, some seniors in their marriage, marriage life so they can tell you how to make it through the rough waters when you get there. Uh, because, yes, there's creation, and yes, uh, there's duration. It's supposed to be for life. But come here. There's frustration. I'm still in the text. It's right there. I hope you didn't close your Bibles. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. That's the duration. And they shall become one flesh. Do you see the frustration? It's right there, that one word. They shall become. Becoming. That process of becoming. Hold on. Let me help paint the frustration for you. Because you got one single that knows how to do things their own way. And you got another single who knows how to do the things their own way. And you put those two singles together and they realize that one keeps that toothbrush on the counter and the other one squeezes the toothpaste in the wrong place. <laughs> frustration can happen in any marriage. Frustration will happen in every marriage. I'm not wishing wrong for you. I'm just telling you that when he says the two shall become one flesh, that's a process of becoming. That's a lifetime of becoming. And when you get to the rough waters, it don't mean that you abandon ship when you get into the rough waters. No, you hang in there. You hold fast because God is working on you to become one flesh. All right. When you become one flesh, what gets us from, from uh, being frustrated to becoming one flesh? I'm still in text because he says, verse 25, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Hear me. Some of us right now, you came in here with burdens and you came in here with struggles and you've been trying to hold on to your marriage for some time. And that's God's will for your life, for you to hold on to a healthy marriage, a safe marriage. God wants you to hold on to that. Um, he says, hold fast to it. But, but notice something that in the midst of the frustration, there's a transition between the becoming and they were naked and not ashamed, naked and not ashamed. That, that's what the text says, that they were before each other and there was nothing to hide. There is a vulnerability, there's transparency, they're naked and unashamed. They see each other's scars. They know uh, where, where each, each other, um, um, what was that thing called when you, when, you, when you don't like other people to know about it? Um, insecurities. There it is. Uh, they, they, they see each other's insecurities. They know each other's vulnerabilities. They, they know what happened, when it happened, and why it happened. They, they are naked and unashamed before each other because a healthy marriage should be a safe place where you could be yourself and know that you're accepted unconditionally. Oh, hold on. Let me work for a moment here because what you're seeing here in demonstration, naked and unashamed, is really love. Because love is unconditional. Love accepts you the way you are. Love receives you the way you are. And love doesn't hold everything against you when it finds out something different about you. Come here. I'm just trying to help the married folk in the moment. Because the reality is that God has called married husbands and wives to love one another. It's right there. 
Because Tyrone, in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, 4th verse, he tells us what love is. It's not the bubbly feelings that come up in your stomach when you first meet each other. It's not uh, you getting circled in a dance uh, with Tweety Birds running around. No, no, that's not what love is. Love is, in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of, this is love, it keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't like with evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always hopes, always loves, always trusts. Why? Because love never fails. God says that in order for us to move and live the purpose that he has for us as husband and wife, we must be grounded, centered in love. If your wife with you right now, just tell them, baby, I love you. You didn't say it loud enough. You all said it for everybody here. This testimony. There you go. There you go. Tell them, tell them, I love you. But love is not a word just to be used. Love is a commitment to be lived. And this is what he's calling us to do, to get us from the frustration, to live in duration. We need to have love for one another. This is what, uh, that's why we recommend the, the triangle of marriage, because it takes God to do what God is expecting of you to do in marriage. Uh, the triangle of marriage, that you have a husband and you have a wife, and, and, the, and the closer they move to God, the closer they move to one another. Let right. me say it one more time. Uh, the triangle of marriage is that you have a husband and a wife. Now, without God, there is no connectivity. Without God, there is no future. Without God, there's no love because First John says God is love. So you need God in the center of your relationship, and the closer you get husband to God, the closer you get wife to God, the closer God will bring the two of you together, and the two shall become one flesh. It takes, it takes God. It takes, it takes love. It's actually the love that God models. Because God models marriage of the covenant of his love between Christ and the church. You see, this is really a picture of God's love. Go ahead and join me in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, uh, beginning at the 25th verse. You think I'm making it up? No, it's right there in text. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and do what? And hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32, this is a, this is a mystery. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. 
And it's the word of the Lord that tells us early on in this same chapter, all of us, singled and married, um, it tells all of us to walk in love. Later on in verse 21, he tells all of us to submit one to another. So what you're seeing here is that when a husband lives out the role that God has called him to live as head of his household, and a wife lives out the role that God has called her to live in respect, reverence for the authority that God has given her husband, the roles, the roles, don't miss that word, the roles, not the worth, because the worth are equal. Remember Genesis? They're both made in the image of God. And so it's that God, we're equal in God's eyesight. We just have different roles. Okay, some of you, you disconnected on me. Let me check for a moment. Any football fans in here? I got one woo and three runs. All right, all right, all right. Football fans in here, you know it, that everybody can't be the quarterback. In fact, the quarterback can't win the game unless there's a receiver to catch what he's throwing. You're not with me just yet. Any baseball fans in the house? All right, I got a baseball fan. Everybody can't be the pitcher. Somebody has to be the catcher. Uh, any soccer fans in the house? Yeah, I don't know none of my soccer either. What he's showing us is that we're paired for a purpose. And so, husbands, we, wives, God is modeling marriage on the covenant of love between Christ and the church. So a husband must be submissive to the needs of his wife, and a wife must be submissive to the authority of her husband. Don't miss it, because when Christ came, he saw the need of the church. He saw the need that you and I were apart from God. He saw that need, and he gave his all to meet our needs. You're not with me just yet here, but that's love. Love that he would lay down his life for you and I because our sin caused a rift in the, in the fabric of relationship between God and man. And Christ loved us enough to come down to earth for us to fill the gap that was caused by our sin. And he says, that's love. Love gives its all. And he says, husbands, here's the total order. Love your wives as Christ has loved the church. Then he says, wives, give honor, respect your husband. For as the church serves the Lord, the wife's role is to serve her husband. And don't miss this thing. Don't, don't, don't miss anything twisted. Because it's voluntary service. It's not obligatory. It's, don't, don't get this thing twisted. It's not, it's not a matter that, that she's a doormat or anything like that. Because remember, he didn't, take her, he didn't make her from the backbone or the footbone or even the headbone. He made her from the rib, the side. And so side by side, it's a picture. Don't miss this. That marriage is a picture that refers to God's love for his church. And just as a bride has to say yes when the, the groom says, will you? Just as that groom has to say yes, Christ Jesus stands at the door of your heart. And he's knocking, and he's saying, all you have to do is say yes. That if you accept his love, his love is an unconditional love. It's the kind of love that will help you get through whatever you're going through. Now, for practical, practicality, we've got to get out of here, but let me go and tell you like this. For practical purposes, if you're in a marriage, in a relationship where God has, uh, you've taken vows before the Lord, let me give you some things to work with. Always look through the lens of love. Whenever you look at each other, always look through the lens of love. 
so that you can see that the person you're married to is made in the image of God, that you can always forgive when, when wrongdoing and trespasses happen. And secondly, build your marriage on love and respect, that you love one another and you respect one another. Why? Because God has ordained you to do so. Oh, I got to add this too. Uh, communicate to build up and not tear down. Because some of y'all, you know how to communicate to, you, you, know, you, you know, to tear down. But the Bible says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is profitable for the hearer that it might build them up. And fourthly, daily commit to a lifestyle of reconciliation. That's what we see with Christ and the church. For when the church falls, we call on Christ. And the Bible says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That he's able to make you whole even when you feel like your life has been broken. Listen, stand all over the building if you can. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.